Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got Rohan. How's it going? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. And joining us today from Sydney is Kieran. Hey, Kieran. Hey, guys. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. How's it going, Kieran? I'm very well. I'm very well. Thanks for uh, making the time to have a chat to me. Oh, of course. Glad to have you here. So, I mean, let's jump right, it, right into it, Karen. Um, you're on the Home Assistant podcast. You're obviously a Home Assistant user. How long have you been using it? I think I, I, think I started about um, three or four years ago now. So um, I think it was around, I, I actually kind of went through my emails and, and when I was advocating this to my friends and I yeah. think it was around the 0.67 release. Wow. Uh, was okay, there. Nice. It was a, uh, it was a different world. A very, yeah, very, very different much world. So. Yep. Then. Yeah. No Lovelace, all groups, everything. Yeah. You had to restart Home Assistant, I'm sure. Yeah. For everything. Yeah. 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 You, you had to be a, a YAML enthusiast first mm-hmm. and then a home automator second, you know, in a lot yep. of ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's come a long way. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably get into it in a bit, bit more detail, but yeah, my, uh, and I think I, I did some dev on it, um, early, early on as well. I, um, I actually went through the Git history of, of the product as well. Wow. And it was like, um, you know, I, I put, uh, I created a, like an add-on in 2018 in May. And then I, I put a, uh, a bit of like code into the actual code base in, uh, like a proper component in, uh, October, 2018. Oh, that's so, wicked. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so yeah, it's pretty good. But uh, yeah, about about that long. So uh, things are stable now as well. So That's... I don't I don't spend as much time on it. Yeah, as I yeah. Used to, um, which is good. In its own think, way. Yeah. But but that, that's kind of the, that's a nice like you you've gotten there right like in the sense that it's you know you don't need to touch it you don't need to do whatever it just kind of runs itself so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've got, a, I'm using a couple of custom components and I'm hoping are, um, are going to hit the mainstream core soon. Yeah. Because I'm also really paranoid they're going to break. Yeah. I yeah. use those mm-hmm. components a lot as well. So, so yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of the history on it anyway. That's, that's awesome. So, so are, are you, are you in, do you work in technology and, uh, cause obviously you said you, you, built a couple of components and integrations and such so yeah i am i'm a cloud engineer by by trade okay um so i do a lot of uh amazon web services okay um, you know day to day so it's kind of funny like day to day i help companies move their stuff to the cloud but then when it comes to my home automation stuff i disconnect as much stuff from the cloud as i can <laughs> sure, uh, sure. So, so uh so yeah and then the um the first the first sort of components and stuff that i put in there or the only component really that I put in there is I put the uh, the Route fifty three uh, AWS DNS mm-hmm. stuff in. Uh, oh, so nice. uh, so I've got all of that because I wanted to have dynamic DNS at home, so I could VPN in to my apartment and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, and do stuff remotely, and I didn't want to have to go and use something else. So uh, I had a crack at it, you know, copied Duck DNS, yeah. and uh, and then yeah, was terrible at Python and. And all that kind of stuff, and just you know, massaged it in. That's cool. <laughs> and then it got merged, and now I was like, oh my god, it's actually in there. So, That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, yeah, and other people are using it. So uh, mm-hmm. which is, I think, the main thing, you know. So, uh, but yeah, because of because of what I do day to day, it's um, you know, working with APIs a lot and stuff is 
pretty much the same as home automation and getting all this stuff to kind of talk. Sure. To so. Yeah. Are you leveraging your AWS expertise in any way to do some things with home automation? Like, are you running you know, something in like some custom code somewhere in Amazon, uh, an EC2 instance somewhere or anything to? Not, not in that way. I, I did, I did mess around with the Lambda integration, mm-hmm. um, yep. which and I, I was kind of doing some, I was, I was trying to find a use case for it. Um, and then um, I found some, but they weren't really, um, you know, they weren't sort of mission critical things mm-hmm. for me. So mm-hmm. one of the things I did was I, um, I had this like Docker image that I was using um, for running some tools at work. And so I kind of needed that to be updated uh, all the time. So what I did was I, um, I had all of the like build pipeline in AWS to do that. Yep. And then I um, used the Lambda integration to kick that off again every time I left the house nice. during the week. And then I had <laughs> nice. like a fresh image during when I got into work. And I was like, hey, look at built. And I, I was like, this is cool. And this is completely pointless, but it does work. Yeah. And hey, it was that's quite okay. Reliable. So uh, I was that's sort of messing good. with that. Yeah. I, I kind of like that. So I, I'm guessing what's so like, was this integrated with Home Assistant? So I'm guessing like Home Assistant would detect that, hey, he's left the house. So now he's yep. going to hit this Lambda script, which will then kick off an Amazon you no know, pipeline to start deploying yeah. something. Yeah, exactly That's that. Awesome. Exactly that. that so, awesome. so it was, um, and because the Lambda integration is a notification, so it's just kind of like mm-hmm. send this notification to this thing and then yep. and it does the rest. But uh, but yeah, besides that, not really, because uh, like running too much stuff out in AWS just because I, I, I want my house to function, if, you know, Cool, you know what the broadband network's like here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. so totally um, relate. Yeah. And plus, the Sydney data center is, isn't it, uh, exactly cheap either, right? So, yeah, yeah. I get free credits for for various stuff, but uh, uh, but yeah, I try and keep yeah, it local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's what happens when you're a partner. So <laughs> so yeah, but um, but yeah, mainly mainly just yeah. sort of local stuff now. But I. Uh, I do take a lot of that stuff for a spin when I see it up there, so uh, yeah, it's a bit of an excuse to uh, to check it out as well. But uh, yeah, because it's like yeah. Amazon recognition now, where you can do like uh, some nice image processing and all that. So I have been meaning to look at some of that the image processing stuff. Like yeah. it scares me, but it also is like pretty. <laughs> I've got yeah. this problem. I've got this problem that I have this possum that keeps coming onto my balcony and eating all my plants. And like my girlfriend, <laughs> my girlfriend's like, "Can't you get your like robotic house to like scare the possum off?" And I was like, "You know, I could do that. I, I could build a robotic scarecrow, yeah. and every time it sees it, wave at it, chase after it. Now, even better, just get like some irrigation yeah. controllers, like spray the thing, right?" Man, that that's actually my side project that never really happened during COVID. It's exactly <laughs> that. It's like, oh yeah, I had some smart switches and I yeah. was going to do ir- irrigation control for like the plants yep. in my balcony, and I was like, well, I yep. could just spray it, you know. So, um, so yeah, you're you're reading that's my funny. mind. Yeah. So I guess so. You've obviously been home assistant since what, like, what do we say, 2018? So a few years now. Is that your first foray into home automation? Did you start off with Home Assistant, or did you come from another platform? No, I started. I started with with Home Assistant. I was actually super interested in the security implications of all this, this stuff right. that I was buying. Mm. Um, yep. So I think the the first sort of IoT thing um, that was an actual sort of generic appliancey type thing was my uh, my Daikin air conditioner. And so I was like, oh sweet, this has got a Wi-Fi controller. I can sort of mess with this, you know, turn it on and off 
during like the the right. shocking Sydney summers. I can like turn yeah. this on remote, but it was like the the Dakin integration like was really quite garbage. Like the app was really garbage. Yeah. The remote access was terrible. And so then I started poking at the API and I'm like, so this has no authentication at all and no security. And Was it uh, local or was it up into the cloud and then down? The local stuff had no auth. It still has no auth, mm-hmm. which is great for Home Assistant actually because it just works. Yeah. Uh, but the remote stuff had like a really basic username and password and there was a massive delay. I think it all ran out of Europe. So you turn the app on remote and then, then like hours later might turn. Wow. And I was like, this is rubbish. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I started like reverse engineering the protocols um, to try and see if I could like build something else. Um, and then I started Googling around and I found that somebody else had reversed the whole whole thing and nice. created a whole like bunch of other tools around it. And then from that, I found Home Assistant because somebody had mm. said, well, let's put this in Home Assistant. And I was like, wow, this actually just works. Um, and then from there, I started getting mildly obsessed. So, uh, you know, the usual build and rebuild, yeah. Raspberry Pi. How many SD cards? <laughs> Man, a lot. That was actually a big, big problem. Um, yeah, yeah especially back Reddit. in those early days, right? Oh, man. I've been through some expensive ones too. I was like, maybe I'll just buy no, the expensive no, ones. That'll help. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So so what do, what do you run it on now then? Uh, so I've got a NUC um, and I'm running it on Docker. Um, I'm going to switch back eventually uh, to, you know, the full, uh, I can't even remember what we call it now, like the whole. Yeah. Home system OS? Uh, yeah. HIOS, you know, I'll probably move yeah. to that. Um, but that means I have to do another rebuild. Yeah. Everything, you know, probably, or at least a migration. So, yeah. Um, but at the moment, yeah, the main reasons I, that I moved was because of the, the just the constant burning out of those cards. It was driving me insane. Um, so, um, and it just, man, it doesn't it doesn't miss a beat now. It just ticks along. I do an upgrade every yeah every couple of weeks, maybe at, at most, and then mm-hmm. uh, and it's just it's just so stable. Yeah, I've got like the Zigbee USB stick and and all that stuff now. But um, yeah, I'm kind of in this sort of. Calm, nice calm moment that's nice it's it, you know what i i always find that that's like a really good thing to be in right like it's just everything works it's exactly where you want it and and you know it, it, it's almost zen right for from from that sense um mm. yeah yeah absolutely like and there's no there's no worse way to um you know oh i know when you when you have it and it, and it kind of is flaky that's the worst outcome you know, and if you try and get people interested in it or you try and show it off and it's it's kind yeah, of patchy. It doesn't work yeah. properly. They're just yeah. like, are you serious? <laughs> and it's so bad for it, the, like the optics on it. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's good now. Um, and I think a lot of the, all the components that I was using are, are stable. Um, the other thing is is that the the Dakin air conditioning stuff, like they we went through a few revisions and now they kind of figured out nice. how to have it play nice with all the Google upstream stuff and everything as well. So, like, you know, you can use the app, the Home Assistant app, or you can just use the actual Google integration stuff, and it just that's nice. It's just just works like it's like it was built for it. So yeah, no, it's really good. But but that's that, it's interesting, right? Because it's it's you build these things out, and it, and it almost takes like a couple of years for it to settle, and 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 obviously the cost part of it too, right? You're not gonna you're not necessarily going to buy everything all up front because that that is a pretty heavy investment a lot of times Mm. right so 
you know, it's, it's, I think it's one of those things where you start a project, you get, you know, let's say two years into it. And then it's like, okay, I think I'm at a good place. I've got my automations. I've understand how I work. I mean, you'll still tweak a little bit here and there, but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it is, and it is, it is super expensive once you, you kind of want to start getting it, getting it done right. And if you don't, if you can avoid doing it all at once, um, you know, it, it is better. And also each of these, integrations have their own like characteristics that you've got to kind of tweak yeah. as well. So if you do it all at once, there's often a lot of tweaking and stuff that you've got to do. But yeah, I did do, um, so I renovated my house recently and I like redid, I was like, okay, I'm going to get all this working. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm going to, I'm going to buy the things that I need to make this, the, you know, do it like all in bulk, right? Just get yeah. it in there. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's probably one of the things that I, I'm most happy about is that, you know, things that were kind of patchy or I had like different vended bulbs in different rooms or, or mixed yeah, in the room yeah. and stuff. I was just like, I'm going to get this fixed because um, it's getting a bit crazy. So, um, you know, I went and bought like 35 lights from Ikea. Right. You know, and uh, put, them, put them all in and paired them all and... And, and got all that humming along. Interesting. Okay. So, and, and that would be a good question then. If you were renovating your house and why didn't you go the smart switch route instead of uh, the, all the smart bulbs? Yeah. So, so what, I, what I've done and is that I wanted to have my place. Um, so, so what I did is I renovated my flat and I was like, all of the things that I, that I can um, automate and have them, you know, as permanent fixtures as much as possible, I mm. wanted to have that done. And man, I looked at everything at the time, and it's changed again. But what I what I landed with was just that I wanted to have um, every light in the house effectively, you know, independently controllable where possible. I could, you know, dim mm-hmm. them, all that kind of stuff, and control mm-hmm. them. Um, but I also wanted to, you know, potentially, if I ever needed to move out and rent it, I didn't want to yep. have it all hardwired in and have to either mm-hmm. teach a tenant how all this stuff works or how to just leave it. Um, so. That was sort of the main thing. So what what I did was I I went and I uh, I evaluate. I bought like one of everything yeah. and like tried all these different vendors. Um, I already had the Hue base station and I and I liked it. Yep. Um, and, but I didn't want to pay for like thirty four plus spares Hue yeah. bulbs. And, yeah, um, that that would bankrupt you yeah. very quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to take another mortgage out. So um, yeah. It was around that time that the IKEA smart bulbs that are Hue compatible sort of hit their stride mm-hmm. and turned up in, in Australia. So I so I bought a couple and I bought some fixtures and I just had them all, you know, running in parallel just on, on my desk with a bunch of other other lights that you could get uh, in Australia. And I sort of baked them off and I found that some of the other lights had like really poor dimming functionalities that were flicker and I found some mm-hmm. would buzz. And I was like, Man, yeah, wow, like, buzzing. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, have you have you seen a lot of that? Yeah, like I've got very like once again right like uh, depending on what's on sale or what is the flavor of the month, I've got you know different generation hue bulbs. I've got IKEA, I've got um, Lightify from Osram, um, something else random from Bunnings as well, and yeah, like even some Xiaomi ones actually. And yeah, depending on the quality of the bulb and the brand, like you dim the light down to you know like a one percent or something one it's not a true 1% that you could get with a real dimmer in the wall. And yet you can, if you get really close to it, you can actually hear the, yeah. the buzzing in it, right? Yeah. Which becomes very annoying for things like podcasts where microphones pick up, you know, 
the slightest <laughs> noise in the background, and then you go to edit the podcast, and you can just hear that light bulb in the background, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not great. It's not great at all. So I, I was really pretty methodical about it. Um, and then what I ended up doing was then I kept the I've kept the Hue base station for now. Uh, I like the fact that I can, you know, if the the knock ever dies, I can just be like, all right, yeah. the lights still work, and the, I've sort mm-hmm. of like I've got dimmers and that kind of stuff. Um, but I've got a feeling that I might just switch them over to the the Zigbee stick I've got long term. What generation hub did you get? Uh, I've got the second, so uh, yeah. second generation, okay. I think, which is the current one, but it's non Wi Fi. Uh, so I've got it plugged into a something. In the right, yeah. Because I, I, I've got the version one. Um, I've actually got a couple of version ones. I found it cheaper to buy the starter kit, right, to get the yeah. two bulbs and the hub. And I never was able to sell the version one because when I went to get it, the version two came out. And then now Philips has sort of started, you know, deprecating, you know, the right. old hardware. And I was like, nah, jump ship, get over to Decons. Or I originally started with like a the CC2531 radios using Zigbee to MQTT. But like that's the beautiful thing about Zigbee, right? And these all these projects that are out there, just it's easy to migrate off the Hue Hub if you need to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've also found the Hue gear pr- pretty rock salt. Like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. uh, it's got its own ecosystem sort of woes, but it does just kind of work. Um, the one thing and- I, I don't like about moving away from the Philips Hue Hub is that you don't get some of the cool... Uh, in the cool stuff that Philips Hue are doing in terms of, you know, like syncing to TVs or syncing to music, you can't get that obviously with home assistant. I'm sure there's ways around it, but it's not going to be as perfect that like the Philips Hue native stuff can do. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, is and this is something I, I need to look into is like, I don't know if some of that stuff works with the IKEA bulbs. So I think some of that stuff like oh, is disabled because it doesn't have yeah. any enhancements yep. in the firmware. And so, yeah, I'm, I haven't really messed with it that much. I, I think I, I just needed to get get my place working, but yeah, I I've got a feeling some of that. Interesting. Stuff so, so it's only within within yeah. the Philips ecosystem, so, not the partners. Yeah, from from what I understand, anyway. So things like you know when um you know when you like turn on and off a like a smart bulb, like a Zigbee one, they often default mm. back to yeah to like generally on. So Philips yep. rolled out a feature to allow you to set the default. Yeah behavior because you know you come home yeah and all your lights are on um and i don't think that works with ikea stuff you know with those bulbs i think it's a missing feature there may be a firmware update that i'm missing uh, but um but yeah i I did notice some of that stuff wasn't working i know philips got into a bit of a a bit of a stink as well when um they originally just one day decided because for quite some time the philips hub was advertised as a, a zigbee light link compatible uh, router, right? Hmm. And they just one day decided to issue out a firmware update that would block all third-party hmm. light bulbs. So, you know, your Ikeas, your Osrooms, and yeah, Philips got into a lot of hot water over that. They eventually backflipped. And I think that's, you know, sort of got a lot of, you know, old-school diehard Philips Hue fans a bit, oh, okay, maybe it's not the, the best hub for me if they're going to, one day a right. firmware update can just brick all my light bulbs, right? Yeah, like that would. I'm really glad that of all of those these vendors, they have been pretty good with the the APIs that they mm. provide from the base station and the integrations from third parties, and especially the bulb integration. Like, 
you just don't see that that much yeah. of this IT stuff. They just, you know, everybody balls off their own little gardens and they make it difficult yep. and cloud yep. services and stuff. But yeah, with that one, like I looked at the API guide for it once. And I was like, wow, this is, I wished all of the IT vendors that I yeah. worked with day to day wrote, wrote stuff like this and, and kept it, you know, up to date and consistent and, and whatever. So. so if you went the smart light bulb route, how what did you choose as your driver for those bulbs? Have you got smart switches as well, or is it all dumb switches that just then get yeah. left in the on position? Yeah, so what I do is I, <laughs> I've got some clear tape, <laughs> the old clear tape over the switch. Yeah, that's um, what I've done because I'm a renter. Then, yep, same yeah, thing. Yeah. Like so, little masking tape over the, the switches. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not great. It's probably one of those things that I'm like, I've renovated my apartment. It looks awesome yeah. now, and I've still got these switches that are ugly. <laughs> um, but I've got I've got the dimmers across the across the the house above them. Um, one mm-hmm. of my colleagues at work uh, has a 3D printer, and he's been looking yep. at building the you know the covers for the yep. the switches. So, um, you know, I, I've been considering sort of seeing what it would take for me to convince him to print me yeah. say 15 of them for my apartment and then cover them up nicely um, yeah because so they, i know there is good. a a company in the states that does sells a product you know that is designed to cover like your light switch um there's a couple of options with like just clear plastic guards to go over switches to say you know don't you can't control this but i think there is you know some company out there i'll have to find it it they do uh, like molds for the Philips Hue tap switches, the dimmers. Um, and I, th- I think they're only compatible with US style switches. You know how in Australia we've got those little flimsy ones and the, in the States they've got the big paddle type toggles. So I think, yeah, you, we can't use them out here, but there's definitely, you know, companies yeah. out there that have seen this problem and, and have solutions out there. Yeah. The, there's one company that was selling them that you put over and it has the magnet and everything in them and stick yeah, right yeah, on it. Yeah. yeah. They look expensive and I was like, hmm. yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, every, everything's just switches like that. Um, and I've sort of got them positioned around the place, uh, for the time being. Um, because yeah, if I ever sell a place or if I want to, you know, um, mm. you know, rent it out, I didn't want to be like, okay, here's how you have to kind of use all this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't need an instruction manual for your house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The other thing is, um, the man, I see a lot of people going to the like Bunnings in Australia, and they, they're buying this these um, things that are like they talk back to Tuya, and they're, they're wiring them into their house. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I look at this and I'm like, oh man, this is crazy talk. Like, you know, your house is just going to be talking back to this third party company. It's going to date really quickly. And I'm like, oh, this is bad news. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too keen on, and it just moves so fast, you know? So, uh, but yeah, the lighting in my place, I'm super happy with it now. Like all the down lights are done. I've got strip strip lighting in the rooms. I've got. Do you have um, color temperature control as well over the light bulbs? That's the problem. That's one of the problems I've got right now with the temperature, um, the color temperatures is that because everything goes back to the Hue base station, Mm, I can individually control all the lights and their colors. But a lot of that sort of grouping and that kind of stuff is done at the Hue level. And then I sort of, group them together inside of home assistant and, yep. and so on and so forth. I need to get right. my act together and, and sort the, the color 
um, grouping and, and, and also the, the switches as well. So I can mm. toggle through scenes and I'm in this like weird mm-hmm. Hugh home assistant. Sort of, yeah, I know what you mean. You know, yeah, where I'm like, but yeah, that, that's probably the main pain point at the moment that I have. And I'm, that's why I'm considering just like yeah. going straight to Zigbee and just getting it all one way. That that was my thinking too. That's so I had like same thing, right? Like you would uh, press a, a fill two tap button right. and the lights would come on, but they'll be at the wrong temperature for the time of the day, right? Like yeah. there would be, you know, the the really cool white in the middle of the night and you look like you're in a hospital or something, right? So eventually when I moved over to Home Assistant, I have Home Assistant uh, as the master that will tell, you know, what temperature each light needs to be depending on what time of day it is. Um, and you know, when all the light turn on services go, it just reads via a template, what the value of that numbers field is, and then set the light based on that. I then also have a couple of, um, uh, Xiaomi switches around the place that are directly linked. So if home system goes down, you can still use those buttons to turn the lights on. Yeah. But in the event that home system is on, um, it just watches if the light turns on and home system didn't turn the light on, it will right. fire the automation to then just adjust the temperature back to what it should be. There is a split second delay, yeah. right? So it's not instant, but it's better than you know. So like it'll it'll go nothing, white and then change back yeah. to yellow or, or or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's quite clever, actually, that you can do the these kind of kind of automations, like because you could probably do the same thing with the Philips Hue, right? Once Home Assistant knows that a tap switch has been triggered to turn on these lights, um, and they're the wrong temperature, then Home Assistant can jump in and, and change it straight away. You know what? That might actually be a decent stopgap for me in, in the time. You know, I think the the other thing is I'm just gonna have to bite the bullet and I'll do it at the same time. I'm going yeah, yeah. back to Hasselos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go, all right, <laughs> the lights are coming, getting fixed. I'll read. I'll name them all correctly this time too. It's it's you know what it is. It's the the biggest pain is having to reset all of them and repair them to you know the new stick mm-hmm. or whatever whatever you end up using, right? And, or having yeah. to reset yeah. every single bulb, like having to flick them on and off five times, and then one of them doesn't, you know, do it on that series of switch, and you've got to do yeah. it all again. Yep. Or you have to walk around with a Philips Hue dimmer and then go next to a bulb and press the on-off button on your little remote, yeah. and it yeah. unpairs the wrong bulb. Oh. So you know what I did for this? Zigbee. <laughs> you know what I did for this? Because I couldn't get, I couldn't, like, do that five flicks, put them in yep. um, consistently for, like, four lights at a time. And because my base station was in another room and I was doing the lights, like 35 mm-hmm. or so down lights for the whole place, uh, I was like, this yeah. is driving insane. So I went back to Ikea and I bought one of their single or two down light fit, um, things and I cabled up to a thing and then I would just um, nice. do two lights at a time at my desk and then pair them, yep, name yep, them. Yep. But <laughs> even that gets pretty old fast when you're doing over 30 yeah. lights. You have like a priming station to, to get your lights going. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, man, and uh, it, it's yeah. funny. I have I only have exact I have exactly two trad free like the IKEA bulbs, which are the GU10 ones because I found that they're one of the only people that actually mm-hmm. make a smart GU10 bulb, right? So my uh, my uh, hood range above my stove, so like the exhaust, that one has it's got two little lights there, and those were just not smart, and that's the one light I always forget to turn off before I go to bed. So I was like, okay, fine, worth the investment, whatever. Same thing, resetting it, but it, it, it's a button, like a, like a push-in button. Oh, really? And it is the most 
frustrating thing, right? So, so the button itself is on the on the <laughs> exhaust itself that you turn oh, on and off. Of course, it is. Yeah. So it's like I'm like pressing it frantically as I'm like <laughs> as I'm like, please let this cheap button not like fall off or something like that, right? And trying to reset this, and it's the yeah. worst. It's the worst. I hate having to reset these devices. So, yeah. That's what I've got. I've got I've got like yeah. thirty of those GU ten IKEA bulbs uh, in my place, and um, yeah, it <laughs> yeah, it's the worst, yeah. absolute worst. When you have to do so many of them, and you're like, you know, you try and bolt, you try and bolt do them, and uh, yeah, and it doesn't work, and then you're back to small numbers in sequence. Yeah, unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to go to that pretty soon. I was so, telling Phil the other day, it's uh, I'm pretty sure my Conbi is dead. Mm. So it's my yeah, heart it's not goes for man. Yeah, that's going to be oh. a pain in the ass to have to, re- to redo everything. Yeah, well, I think before that, I think I'm going to try deleting all my ZHA stuff, which means I have to repair everything again. But yeah, and then and then go from there. But uh. yeah, yeah, it's brutal. My um, my mate, he's pedantic about naming everything uh, as well. He's one of my colleagues, and he's like, "Man, you got to re- you got to redo all yours anyway because you've named everything wrong, and mm. it's giving me anxiety." <laughs> Honestly, most days I'm with them there. Like it's, it's, it's to me, it's one of those like because I will just not find it. And the worst is when the label mismatches the actual entity name or something like that. And it's like, yeah, I yeah, I, I get yeah, it. Yeah, he's right. He is right. So um, so yeah. I'm, but right now everything just works so nice. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. if it ain't broke, like don't fix it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, do you want me to? Uh, do you want me to tell you a bit more about? What I've got, because I've got more more oh, than just lights. Yes, tell us. <laughs> what are you using to drive home? Because you've got like uh, you said Google Home before. What what else are you using there? Yeah, so so I've got so I've got it all running on the NUC. Um, I use Docker for that and Docker Compose just to keep it like super tidy. Um, nice. You know, I'm an IT geek. And, you know, by day, so uh, you know, I kind of set it up so that it's nice and documented, and I've got like all of the all that stuff in GitHub. Um, Beautiful. So I lose it, but you just don't have your light bulbs named correctly. <laughs> yeah, but I can't. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long story. Ninety nine percent of the way there, just that one percent. Yeah, I yeah. know. Uh, I'm always up for continuous improvement. That's it. That's know. it. <laughs> But um, and then, yeah, from there, what else have I got? So I have um, a whole bunch of the uh, Xiaomi sensors. I Probably one of my earliest uh, in- investments was the, like, the full Xiaomi, like, alarm kit that okay. I used to sell. Yeah. With all, like, yeah. the first bunch of... Can, I don't know how they can so, call that an alarm kit. Like, it was, <laughs> like, what is... Like, it's a little speaker on a tiny thing that plugs in that talks Chinese to you that's not going to scare yeah. anyone, right? Like, when if it ever has an alarm. <laughs> Man, when I got it as well, there was like no English function. Oh, no, I was using Google like, Translate just, against my phone. Like, what is it telling me to do? That's right? amazing. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was so like, and like, this was early days as well. I was like, wow, I can get sensors into this home assistant thing through this Chinese thing. Yeah. And everyone's like, what are you doing to your house? <laughs> and I was like, look, it's legit. It's good. But uh, yeah, so I got that. I eventually sort of transitioned that off to, um, to you know, pure Zigbee with the yeah. The, uh, the stick um but like i i've got a bunch of nice dashboards that sort of show me all of the windows and uh and doors in the place and i and so they're all the xiaomi window sensors that you're using yeah yeah, yeah they're really nice the, the second generation of them yeah they're uh, like beautiful. the ones that probably most people have mm-hmm. yep. are really nice yep. um so i've got those and i think one of the earliest automations where i was like wow this is actually useful now was 
if my balcony door is open for more than two minutes, turn off. The nice. Yep. Nice. And I was like, no, no. that blew my mind at the time. I was like, this yeah, it's, works. you don't realize how, how nice that is. I, I, I think I mentioned on the show, I think maybe probably two months ago, I got that working with my back mm. and front door sensors. Cause it's like, we'll, we'll open the door, but then you don't think of like, Hey, let me go to the echo and turn off or, or tell my Amazon echo even you, cause you're just open the door, walk out. Right. <laughs> Lifesaver. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it, it's really it's really good. And then in so, reverse, um, when you close yeah. the doors, things coming back on. Yeah, I also have got uh, I've got some stuff around. You know, um, I don't use it as much, but it's like if I'm out, um, and you know, presence detection says you know via the app, if you're out and the doors, you know, certain doors change their state, send mm-hmm. a notification to the mm-hmm. app, say hey, like somebody's moving around in your um, in your apartment. I, I use it less because I, I don't. My my partner, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't have the app and that kind of stuff. And yep. um, there's lots of like, there's lots of other privacy sure. implications from that mm. app, and uh, she doesn't really need it. So I, you know, she's moving around in the apartment a lot now and going out and stuff. So it's with COVID lockdowns, it's probably a little bit less, yeah, less useful that I know, you know, if the balcony door has changed its state and stuff. So, but um. But yeah, on top of that, I've got uh, what else have I got? I actually got a list here, something I prepared uh, earlier. So yeah, I've got the uh, I've got the the Daikin air conditioning. I bought okay. these Xiaomi fans. Um, have you, have like you seen the them? ceiling the fans, fans? Do you mean or no? They're uh, they're like pedestal. Oh fans. yeah, yeah. I got. Um, so. I actually got one, and the first thing my wife said is, "Is that a fan for ants? Because it's so <laughs> tiny compared to what we usually have out yeah. here, right?" Like yeah, they're really nice. Yeah, yeah. As well. Did you get the battery one like, or the one that plugs into the wall? I got nice. both. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I they look really nice. Like you know, summer in my place is is pretty rough, yep. and so I was like, I need to get a new fan, and I'm working from home, and you know, my other one was pretty noisy, and so I I was like. I'm not going to lie. Like I immediately was like IOT fans. Obviously. <laughs> Makes sense. Like, yeah. And, and then that helped me decide that I needed new ones. And, um, but these ones are really nice. Like they're, uh, they're white and quiet. Yeah. This guy has written a custom, um, custom component. Yep. I'm using uh, the same for one for them. Yep. Yeah. I'm really paranoid about that one breaking. Actually, uh, interesting that you said that. I think for whatever reason, mine has broken in the last couple of weeks or something. So I'm going to have to, maybe my IP address on the fan has changed or something. But yeah, I've got a card on my Lovelace saying, hey, the fans have unplugged or something. So I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really worried about it like breaking because they've been doing a lot of work. I've been following it in the code base to see what's going on and if this guy is going to move the the code in there um and it looks like he has been but obviously you know he's yeah, got a job yeah, and, yeah and a lot of other stuff as well um but yeah the, so i've got these two fans they're really i use them a lot um my partner uses them a lot as well uh and they're really great um and then i've got the um you know it's almost like a rite of passage now the uh the <laughs> xiaomi robot vacuum cleaner oh so, nice uh, so yeah, it's yeah. actually pretty good i it's i kind of bought it as a bit of a gimmick back in the day but um you know, I hacked it. I've now got the custom firmware r- running on it as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I need to to get the zone cleanup uh, sort of working. But I find it does like for an apartment, it does a pretty good job. You know, I've been uh, I've been messing with that for a while, and the yeah, the custom firmware so that it doesn't talk back to China is is really really good. Uh, it does just kind of work. 
Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. So, so is, is that, is that the big, big thing there? Like, does it, does it offer, um, other stuff? Is it, is it the security kind of implication there or, or with the custom firmware? Yeah. So I've got the first model yeah. of the, of the Xiaomi Vax and, um, like to use it, you've got to use this Chinese right. app, the, the My Home app. And like it all talks back sure. back to China. And um so what somebody what somebody initially did was that they let you hack it in a way that you could, you know, turn some of this stuff off and, and whatever and right. integrate it more directly into Home Assistant so you didn't have to go by their cloud service. But then somebody came out and just like were like we could just replace all of the the software in it with this like open source alternative. And so, uh, oh, nice. So I put that on there, and now it doesn't talk back at all. Wow. It's literally a, a completely local device. And, uh, but then on top of that, they've been adding more features. So, like the model that I've got, um, they've added like zoned cleanup. So you can essentially say clean the kitchen or clean the living room, and it'll only clean that area. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then they've, um, they've given you, like an API that you can, you know, call those things. So Home Assistant can just say, you can say, you know, run an automation and it'll go and trigger that nice that zone. So uh, I've got all of that uh, running. It took a little bit of hacking around, but yeah, it's been super stable. I haven't, right. cha- I haven't seen a change in its behavior at all, um, which is which is pretty good. And then I've also, uh, I've got these Xiaomi plant sensors as well. Yep. So, Rahan and um, I have a few of those. Yeah. Yeah. Man, they're they're super. They're good. great. They're not cheap though. No, I know they're. I know for me, they're like. I try and get them when they go down in price a little bit, but they're still like twenty bucks a pop almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think they're really good. Like I, uh, I grow, I grow chili plants, or I, I try to when the possum's not eating them <laughs> to into the great. ground. Um, and so yeah, I had I bought them a long, long time ago. Kind of when I went crazy with IoT stuff. You know, I was like, hey, this is for sale. Yeah. And, on AliExpress, let's just buy it. But yeah, I was really, really impressed with with how well they work. the The plan was to have an irrigation system on my balcony this year mm-hmm. um, to to sort of um, you know trigger automations based on you know watering and that kind of stuff. Because I don't have water on my balcony, so I was going to just put a pump right. in there. Yeah, I was, have you got power um, on the balcony? And, uh, I do after my renovations. Okay, nice. So uh, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what I what my plan was is that I'd have a a couple of you know smart plugs, and then a um, either a, a decent enough um, like a like a pump for fountains or something like yeah, that, yeah, 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 bunnings, yep. and then a, a tank, and then a, like a misting sort of. I actually bought half this stuff; it's sitting un, unopened yeah. at the moment <laughs> um, to like do like misting yep. over the plants. Uh, so to be honest, 
with COVID and and uh, things like that, and also the 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 possum is literally destroyed. I'm on the third floor, and this possum keeps eating. <laughs> wow, are you plants. sure it's a possum uh, and not so, something else? Yeah, yeah, I got a picture of him. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, so um, we were actually initially we were like, hey, there's a possum. That's great, nature in in the suburbs, <laughs> and then. Next morning, we're like, that possum. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, got, it's got hell to pay. <laughs> so that's sort of the core components. And then sort of use-wise, I, I, um, I've got Google Home. So, um, and that sort of provides the interface to the home. I use that for like my girlfriend, the girlfriend yep. mode, mm-hmm. you know, rather than give her like the home assistant experience uh, i use that um, because she can use it anywhere and i can reduce the number of entities that are exposed sort of mm-hmm. right down yep. to that so that she just gets a pretty clean experience that that's sort of the core of it and then i've got other bits and pieces and then around that i've got the unify uh, ubiquity gear um right. throughout my house as well that was sort of the other thing i did when i renovated was to get data cabling through the whole place make the network be less of a pile of cables in the corner and have it run through. So, um, so everything, everything in the house now has, is, is cabled through nicely and hidden away and got the, the internet sort of access point mounted in the hallway on the ceiling and stuff like that. So, you know, and then I've got sort of other, other bits and pieces, you know, like I've got my like a TV and some Chromecasts and, and all that kind of stuff integrated pretty nicely as well. So, yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's really good. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. So, in, in in terms of like, I'd say in terms of your uh, uses and your automations and you know what what are kind of the top three, let's say that that uh, that you find the most useful that you like. I think I think it's the the routines uh, for things like you know going to sleep. Um, so um, my my partner, I've given her yeah. like a, a mode, like she speaks like a key a keyword, and it uh, it turns the fairy lights on on the balcony, it turns the, the lamps on in the bath in the bedroom, mm-hmm. turns off other lights in the rest of the house, but it also turns that fan mm-hmm. on. Nice. <laughs> beside the bed yep. um and like she she fully loves it um loves that one thing and like the fans are so quiet they, they really are really good and then and then i have kind of the reverse of that you know in the morning but it also like turns on the television streams audio to uh you know sure. plays the radio in the morning um turns off all of the fans like she we put that in there because she was like those fans are so quiet they run all day because I forget yeah, to turn yeah. them off and I can't hear them yep. when I'm not in there. So, uh, so that's sort of um, you know a big a big part of it. So, so those kind of automations, and then I do a lot of a lot of like voice control for the TV, okay, uh, and and those kind of things. Um, the other one that I use a lot is I use the the pie hole, um, yeah, the ad blocking for ad blocking, yeah. And so I've got that. Um, I've got that set up as well, so I can voice control it on and off. So, um, nice. like, I, I really hate ads. I can't <laughs> do them. Um, and so I do anything yeah. I can to not see them, even if that means I have to pay for, for YouTube. Speaking of which, subscribe to Nebuchadnezzar today. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it, that, that's the other thing I do have as well with Nebuchadnezzar. But, um, but yeah, I've got the, the pie hole integration and, what I what I can do is I can um, a lot of the streaming services my girlfriend 
you know, users for things like watching yep. MasterChef on TV yep. and stuff. They don't work with the ad blocker on, so yeah, I've got like so a, I use the switch can on you, there. Can you selectively, uh, yeah. like, can't you just, so like, respect the ad blocker? Like, let me watch your content <laughs> without ads. Like, I re- and what really frustrates me with those streaming services is that the ads load really, really quickly, but then when you go to watch, you know, like the MasterChef or it's whatever crap. show you're trying to watch, it then buffers yeah. for five seconds and then says, sorry, network error timeout and you go back to watch it again and you got to watch the ads again before you can actually start yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why torrenting is oh, so popular. Yeah. Like, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a disaster. Yeah. But, uh, but what is cool is that I, um, it's now native functionality in, in home assistant. Um, yeah. And which is great for everybody else, but it kind of took the wind out of my sails once I yep. got it all working, <laughs> like I built it myself. I was like, oh man, that was one of those things I was going to talk about in the podcast. Yep. And now it just works. Everyone gets it. <laughs> but, um, but what's cool about it is, is that you can expose the, the, um, the turning on and off of the ad blocker through like a regular switch. Yeah. And then, so, um, my other half, she'll, um, <laughs> so I'm sure the neighbors here or her are saying weird things like telling Google to turn the ad blocker off and all that kind of stuff, you know, so she can stream, stream, you know, MasterChef. Yeah. <laughs> so, would would you do you do you typically like tie in like let's say you say hey play Netflix uh, or I guess Netflix is a bad example play I don't know whatever service with a ad Hulu or whatever uh, and then and then could you tie that in with that kind of an automation to say okay if that's the case then kill the ad blocker for this yeah you definitely could um, it's probably because the ad blocker is just a switch you could chain it with any anything I think the tricky bit is is like what services because um, the Chromecast you know, like uh, how, like if you say for example if you're using Chromecast does it expose what app it's running or what it's streaming from it will tell you i'm trying to i'm trying to remember it it can tell you what's playing on it Mm -hmm. but i think it's pretty pretty basic yeah um so i I don't use it in that sort of granular level either um so i can't just use it as a streaming streaming kind of output to um to the tv the tv i've got as well it's it's a samsung with the older firmware so it's kind of breathing yeah. more life into it for a, a couple more years yep yep I sure know i've got the same problem yeah but um yeah the, i think you know coming back to your original question yeah i think that the the scenes around that are the big ones and then you know the ad blocking it's really nice as well with the ad blocking because it gives you metrics into the home assistant um you know yep. uh, lovelace interface so you can be like you know don't have to go and log through to, to see what's being blocked and, you know, the state of it and things like that. So, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, but I think, you know, I was talking to you guys before about, um, right before this about like, I think that the biggest, the biggest impact is, you know, how it helped my, my, um, my partner sort of recover from, from being sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my, my, um, my partner, right. She, she's like from the country. She's like allergic to technology. Uh, she she right. vocally thinks it's all unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have the running we have the running joke that you know if she had her way, we'd all just go back to horse and cart, <laughs> and uh, and that would be fine. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, so when I when uh, when I was sort of working on all this stuff, she was always like, "Oh man, is this really necessary?" You know, the light switch is right over there, and whatever. But um, interesting. How did how did you meet your girlfriend? Like, did you meet her at an AWS conference? Like, and she was trying to <laughs> no. have the front picketing yeah. against Amazon. You know, setting up a, an infrastructure center <laughs> with her awesome card. Like, that's <laughs> uh, so it seems like a, a very strange match. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's why I think it's why it works. <laughs> I think it's why because yeah, it's like I don't talk technology really at all to her. Yeah, uh, so that's it's, funny. Uh, yeah, it's good, but it's, um, my my situation's no different. Just FYI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, and the neighbors here, are, I'm sure, are swearing at it when her routines don't work as well, or it's uh, the half does it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, she got um, during during COVID last year, she got like very very sick. Um, you know, she uh, she had to have uh, abdominal surgery effectively. Um, you know, and I had to become her primary carer. Yep. And right. So it was kind of it was kind of a pretty bad time in that um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. She has to go to hospital. Mm. She has to have a whole bunch of stuff that was pretty nasty. Um, and then then she had to kind of. Uh, you know, have somebody look after it. So I moved her back to my place, but she could barely walk. She was very, very low on energy and all these kind of things. Um, she would like often just pass out and whatever. And so I also had to work remotely. Uh, so I had yeah. to like have a full-time job. She couldn't work and, and paying the bills. But what really uh, helped a lot was like all the home assistant stuff. You know, she would want to be able to turn the TV on, but, you know, she was you know, in pretty bad shape. Mm. She could voice control it on or she could yeah. use the phone app to, to do some of these things. And then, you know, she was super sensitive to, to temperature when she was recovering. So um, she was able to use the Daikin air conditioning through the Google Home app or voice control um, to to really help adjust, you know, the, the comfort levels that she had. Um, I used um, reminders for her medication um, yep. just off Google Home Um you know, for, for those kind of things. And she could adjust the lights, you know, as she needed to without having to get out out of bed. Um, mm-hmm. And now she uses all this stuff. <laughs> now that she's recovered, she uses this stuff like... Old habits like die it, hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. She, uh, yeah. She's going to lose some of her air conditioning privileges this year because we had a like $700 power bill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, but um, one of the other things that I used a lot for, for her was, you know, I, I had to ask, you know, for her permission to do this as well, which I think is, is one of the important things is, you know, when I was going out and I wasn't going out very much when she was really sick, but if I needed to go and do the grocery shopping and stuff, I have mm. some of those Xiaomi um, internal like 360 degree spinning cameras uh, oh, and I put yeah. them inside. Yep. So I could, I could see, I could keep an eye on her um, while, while I was out just to make sure she hadn't got up and had a fall or. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it meant it made the difference. It really did uh, in her being able to, um, to recover and have that kind of level of automation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's great stuff. And I think we're going to see way, way more of this kind of automation for recovering, um, you know, patients and stuff sure. out care uh, in the future. Yeah. That's very wow. interesting. Yeah. So, so it was mostly, so she would just access everything through the voice commands to, um, do all that and, and, you know, your, your fall detection as well. Did you, did you incorporate anything else or was it just manual in terms of looking for the fall? Like you'd open up your phone, check in the app and see what's up or, or did you, yeah, I I mainly just would have Nebuchadnezzar, not Nebuchadnezzar, um, I mainly just have the cameras open in the home assistant screen, sort of on one of my screens if I was in another room. Um, and then, and that was mainly it. I didn't do, didn't do too much automation. That would be a cool one for um for some of that image recognition. Mm, stuff. Yeah, 
is that we could do fall detection. Um, it would be good. You could probably also use like vibration sensors in, in, in hindsight, yep. but I kind of was just like using what I had. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, I was like, hey, I'm going to be creepy and leave this camera in here because I think you're going to, you know, you're at risk of, you know, passing out or, yeah. or something like that. She was cool with it. She was like, um, but, uh, but yeah, that would actually be a quite a good one. I like fall detection. Yeah. You know, what, what did you have? Like, um, I think there's like ZB buttons or keychain buttons that you could have. Did you have anything like a panic button that you could press to get your attention or anything like that? Did you think about anything? Not like really. That? I, I probably the other thing is, is when it, uh, when it all started going, um, when it all started going, um, on mm. the, the Android app was just coming yep. really good. Yep. Like I think the Android app is fantastic mm. now. Um, but I think it, it probably hadn't hit its stride yet around functionality. And I think in hindsight, I probably would have just said, um, you know, I built her a, a dashboard yep. and just said it had one big button on it. Help. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and then had her, and yeah, had her log in and, and do it. But, um, but yeah, I generally tried not to be out too too long during this mm. this phase, but uh, especially with lockdown, right? But, it wasn't like you could be out for too long anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so I'd probably do yeah do something like that now. The other thing that that I've been doing, um, which is kind of um, related, is that my my other half, her uh, her mum, is traveling effectively by herself around Australia right. at the moment, mm-hmm. and uh, like with a caravan. And so I created her a user and installed the app on her phone. And that's how we know where she is. Oh, that's right. cool. That's cool. Yeah. So you can see a yeah, map, so, obviously, of where she is. Yeah. 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 And um, and so. Saves um, a Life 360 subscription. There you go. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, she is, she is checking in with other people. But it's like if she, if we don't hear from her and we check in, we'll be like, oh, where is she? And has she sort of, yeah. you know, is she where she, we expect her to be? Yeah. And that kind of stuff, which was, you know, it was kind of strange outcome that we did it that that I did it that way. Mm-hmm. Because I was like looking at like, you know, all of these other tools and you can do it with like Google stuff. Yeah. Like, Maybe I can just do it with Home Assistant, give her a user account and then chuck her on a dashboard. Yep. That's really cool. So, uh, yeah. So, um, so I thought, I thought that was kind of, I'd actually spent a whole bunch of time looking at other options. And then I was like, what I really need is this. And then I was like, well, yeah, I could just do exactly that with Home <laughs> Assistant. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good fun. It, it's, um, it, with that. So, but you know, with, with the, uh, with all of the, the stuff that's helped, um, in that space, um, now, now I wish I'd done the, the fall sensor in hindsight. Hey, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you, you do what you can in, in a pinch, right? And, and again, especially with everything closed and everything, I mean, Sure. By the time you ship something in from China or wherever, mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a couple of months. Right. So, yeah. Do what you can in a pinch. I think that that's a great. Yeah. Tagline <laughs> you know, it's like, that's right. like that. yeah, it's like, you know, you just you yeah. can cobble so much stuff together with it. Like, uh, the, yeah, I think yeah, that's exactly. Really well. <laughs> so, so, and yeah. How did, but yeah, that's wow. the that's the story. Yeah, how, how did your partner um, like? What did she think of the automations and stuff? Were you constantly having to tinker? You know, was she like, "Oh, this would be cool if I could do this," or did you just sort of like set it all up and go, "All right, this is how it's going to work now"? Or was there, was there a feedback? It's loop? funny. We're, we're we're in this weird situation now where she'll 
she'll say to me, hey, can you mm-hmm. get the morning routine to like, turn the fan off now or something yeah, like that? Yeah. And I'm like, you realize right. what you've what is happening now. You're actually asking me to yeah. to automate things further. And she's like, I oh, know. <laughs> It's uh, it's weird, but yeah, I think you know the the basic stuff was pretty good. Like I, I had it all. So she got sick just as I'd kind of renovated right. everything. Right. So everything I kind of got it all prepped and and things were working quite nicely and and things like that. So I didn't have to do too much, but I am sort of adding enhancements in here here and there now um, based on on what she uh, she wants. And it, you know, it's coming it's coming into winter, and I know that. She's going to be like, I want to be able to pre-warm the house yeah. and that kind of stuff when we're coming back. Um, so I think I think we'll start seeing a bit more of that as the seasons change. The co- and the fans go back into the cupboard and that's and it, so yeah. On. So so <clears throat> so yeah. I know, like we we actually do get cold weather here. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just it's just not it's just not at the level of, uh, of yours. <laughs> yeah. No, no blizzards or anything. you know what? That's okay. I'm I'm. Looking forward to my summer now. <laughs> and then, you know, it's <laughs> finally started to stay bright outside for past like 6 p.m. So that's nice. But yeah. Yeah. And then Toronto has very good summers as well, actually. Was, it does. It's yeah, beautiful. I was very it's surprised beautiful. when I was there with, uh, how warm and humid it gets. But uh, yep. But yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think that'll be the sort of, as we change the seasons, we'll, I'll start seeing a bit more, a bit more of, um, you know, automation tweaking and stuff at her request. But, uh, but yeah, things are like, things are stable now. I think that's the, that's the big thing, uh, at the moment that, that I've noticed with Home Assistant. I know like Phil listening in the past, you were, you were, how do I say this? You were concerned with the direction away from YAML, mm. right? Um, but one one thing I have noticed is that there's a lot more people uh, that I know who are like non-technical who are who are really working with it. Um, you know, because they can do a lot more pointing, clicking, and yep. quick integrations. Yep. Um, but um, so it's like even when you do tweaks and stuff now, it's 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 pretty quick. I must admit, like the 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 UI is getting a lot better. I still think uh, yeah. Home Assistant has, you know, one of its weak points is you know user experience, um, and I don't think that's a, a secret to the 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 Home Assistant team. I think you know, once again, this is an open source project. You know, people you know pull requests are welcome, right? Um, but I do think you know the user experience. Uh, needs work and it's something that they're mm. looking into. Yep. But I think, you know, it's, it is, the UI is getting a lot better just in like, just in this year alone, right? Like in the, um, in 2021, we had, you know, just a, a small tweak to the integrations page, which made, you know, we can now see what are cloud components, what are, you know, local components and all that. So much, yeah. you know, little things like that um, are making, you know, things a lot easier to see. My my only concern with YAML so far is that, you know, migrating, you know, systems at the moment, you know, for home, this isn't OS, it might be, you know, backup and restore, but I'm on Docker. Yep. I, I haven't touched wood, haven't had to yet migrate a system. I know the storage folder has a whole lot of permissions and, you know, backing up is my responsibility now. So, yeah, I think... In terms of moving away from YAML, I can see that as long as automations and scripting stays, that I can always use YAML. I'm happy for integrations and the config to go into the UI. I just want the backup and, and restore procedure to be 
a lot yep. easier. Seamless. Because yeah. the last thing yeah. I, I would hate is to have to reintegrate all my username and passwords and, and reset up all the integrations, get new entity IDs on a new system, and then not be able to just import my YAML file all at once and, and be up and running. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... So I think the the changes away from that have definitely made it more um, more accessible. Um, I'll give an example. Um, <laughs> I've got, so at work, right? Mm. Um, when I say more accessible, I mean like open to a whole bunch of people who would never have normally done this. Yes, yes. Uh, used it. Um, and so like at work, we've got this IoT Slack channel. Um, so I've worked for a consultancy, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, 100, 150 people um, yep. across the world. And we've got this IT channel. There's probably about 40 people in there at the moment, but I think a big chunk of them are kind of spectators at the moment for the for the sort of core 15 people mm-hmm. in the company. Always the kind of going deep on it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, our, our like non-technical customer success manager uh, in Melbourne, he uh, he's renovated his house and he kind of got wind of like, oh, you can do smart lights. And he he took every piece of advice that we gave him about like just slow and steady mm. baby steps and just threw it all into the wind and just oh, went no. all in. Yep. Um, and he's actually been pretty successful with it. Um, wow. But I think it's because of the usability changes. Yeah. So this guy, this guy, let's just call him Nick. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, um, yeah, he he has got. Uh, TVs, robotic vacuums. I actually have a list here. Uh, he bought he, his irrigation system, his solar panel automation, Hue indoor and outdoor lighting. He automated his laundry fans for humidity based off. Wow. Uh, he is living the dream right now. Uh, he's got automated blinds, automated garage door openers. He's got the camera systems and doorbell systems. He put it all in himself. He's not a technical guy. Wow, good for him. And like, um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it was kind of like dragging and dropping, you know. One of my colleagues like logged in to uh, his thing by Nabucasa to like mm-hmm. tweak a few things and debug a few things, but like yeah, he went all in and he's like non techy, um, and I think that was the moment where I was like, there is no way he could have done this yep. if he had to sure. write a line of yam- <laughs> yaml, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's uh, and I think so, that's that's the point yeah, of moving away from yaml, right? Because you know it needs to be. Point and click setup. Yeah, and hundred percent. You know, do basic automations within the UI. Yeah, yeah. I think also he was very lucky. He kind of started when Home Assistant like hit this real sweet spot of stability mm, sure. and you know um, usability all at once. I was like, man, he's done, he's got more done in such a short time. Man, I, I was like, by your stage, I would have rebuilt like five yeah. times. But, yep. but which, yeah. which is awesome, right? I mean, that that goes to show kind of whatever they're doing is working, and you know, kind of keep going. But it's, uh, you know, it's it's headed in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I remember, I remember the uh, the YAML episodes and the and the you know the various blog posts, mm-hmm. and I was like, hmm, it's gonna be interesting to see where this lands. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I think it sounds like they've got a pretty good sweet spot. I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah so. definitely. Um, but um but yeah i'm trying to think what else i've been i've been doing like like i've spent a lot of time like hacking on things um and like have you guys seen i'll tell you one thing i have been thinking about um have you guys seen any automated desk uh stuff 
Like it's in a sit-stand desk sort of thing? Yeah. Kind of. I think you can talk about this. Yeah. So I got got an Ikea, I want to say it's like Idacent or something like that. Um, Just name escapes me right now. But uh, it's one of the Bluetooth ones. So it's a BLE one. Um, I actually don't like the BLE functionality. I actually prefer having like a plus (laughs) minus button or up down button, whatever. Uh, Just because... I'm not going to use an app to do this. Like it's, it's stupid. Um, but I just like yeah. the top better and, and, and everything. I just found it was better built than their other one. And so they actually, somebody has reverse engineered their BLE code, I guess, if you want to call it. Right. So, so that what you can do yeah. is basically you can actually using their app, uh, use, using like a, you know, like a desktop app or whatever you, you can press up, down and it'll go up, down. Um, so the part yeah. I haven't done yet because I actually changed offices after I did, I moved, I moved to the basement just cause it's a little less echoey down here uh, for the podcast and everything. But uh, what happens is I'm sure it's easy enough to code uh, some kind of integration into home assistant where you bring in one of these people's codes. Uh, and, and there's a few different projects out there, right? So you bring it in and, and basically say up down as, I don't know what component you bring it in and ask whether it's like a, I would probably do like a maybe like a cover or something. Well, I was thinking a cover. Yeah, cover. I think like a blind. You know, fifty percent, one hundred percent up. Yeah, exactly. Right. So where where you can actually adjust the height of what it is, and then you just have to remap the values mm. or whatever. But again, it, it, that was something that I kind yeah. of uh, I was going to do, and then I, I kind of abandoned just because I moved downstairs. But I may be getting a sit stand office downstairs too. So let's see. Maybe if I do, I will. But I also time yeah I'd, I'd be super keen to hear hear about that or anyone who's like done exactly that so i've got a stand-up desk so I, like i'm yeah. i'm almost six foot eight and um and so i my desk i my back was going falling apart you know years yep. of po- bad posture mm-hmm. working in it so i got a decent one but um they gave me for free when i bought this a um the bluetooth adapter for it okay and I um I got pretty far through reverse engineering the protocol on it, and I'm not a developer, so I yeah. like 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 um, it was pretty ghetto. Like I'd pretty much run the Bluetooth analyzer on Android, um, and press the buttons on the app, and then write the timestamps down, like and figure out what I did on the yeah. on the app at that moment, and then I ran it through Wireshark, fished out all of the codes, and I got it to a point where I could actually control the desk um, up and down. Nice from python but Very nice then then i exceeded my abilities <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry sorry i'm like sorry like the, the requirements yeah to do many more exceeded my abilities yeah, yeah and and i was like and it was like there were problems as well with stability with bluetooth low energy mm. and like me controlling it and going to certain points and and so i kind of got stuck and i googled around and then i just Stopped. Yeah, but it's like I would love to see something like that so I could like raise the desk on a schedule. What sort of or, desk is it? Uh, this is a Zen Space desk, um, but there there's a few companies around Australia, but they're they're pretty much all the same. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like different tops to the same Chinese made. Yep, yep. right. Um, legs, sort of legs and and motor and controller. Um, so you know, being able to if I could get a like right get a component. Um, going for that it would be so good because the apps are terrible for these, these yeah. desks. Like, so um, so even if you could just control the memory locations, 
the, the desk tab so you can say you know one is low and four is whatever setting oh, okay. um, that would be sweet but uh because I also kind of was like, it would be cool to have the desk go all the way to the top when the robot vacuum cleaner comes in and keeps some of the cables. That's cool. Jerking cables That's off. cool. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> yeah. use case. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I got my cables like pretty good now, but there's still like one that always drags. And I was yep. like, man, I could actually lift this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but I haven't seen that much around, uh, around there. Um, other people doing it. I saw one guy had reversed it. He'd reversed the pins instead of the the Bluetooth stuff. So it was like he hard coded. He built like a cable, like a serial yeah, cable, okay. uh, to put it into something like yeah, yeah. something else. Um, and I was like, That's, I kind of want to keep the the Bluetooth functionality there. So right. So so in the sense that you mean they basically took the just took it and basically built their own like serial controller or something like that. To, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, I could do it that way with like, um, you know, the yep. Pi Zeros. I was like, I could probably build one like that, and then have a build an API, and then have Home Assistant call the API. But I was yeah, like, I think for for something like that, I think you would want to do um, like an ESP32, or yeah, even a Pi Zero. I guess would would work, right? Where you could run a script on there, and then the nice thing is it's. I, I, don't, I don't know ESP Home well enough, but if you can get that, it's already got the APIs built in. It's already got all of that, and you can just bring it into Home Assistant. Hell, it'll discover into Home Assistant even, right? So it might be kind of cool. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. That, what, yeah. that ESP world, I find yeah. super daunting. Like, I don't, it's probably not, but I don't know. I think it's, because uh, I'm not a developer, like a proper developer, I just see it as like out of my Yeah, mind. the ESP Home um, itself isn't bad because, and, and, and I, I, kind of like it because say, just like you Karen, i'm i'm not a developer <laughs> i'm the furthest thing from one uh but you know it kind of makes it easy if you at least if you understand uh like you you understand yaml i mean you, you were saying you've been using it from from home assistant from back in the day even right and so really you build out what you need in in that and then and esp home will figure out what components you need and whatever and configure those and then push them onto the onto the controller onto esp right which is Check it out, yeah, because yeah, because I I, I do really like, and the ESP thirty twos have BLE built into it, right? So, um, so that's actually how I bring in my plant sensors and things like that, like the, the Xiaomi plant sensors. Is I just have a, a ESP thirty two running ESP Home, and it just brings everything in that way. And it's been it's it's unplugged right now just because I was using the the power cord for something else, but it, it's been rock solid other than that. Yeah. So why do you? So you have the. You have the plant sensors talk to to SB Home Bluetooth stuff, and then is that because of distance away from other stuff? Yeah. So, well, the because my because uh, I'm running all of my home assistant stuff in Docker, right? So I don't I don't really have a BLE. It's in a, yeah. it's in a virtual machine on my lab server, so yeah. I don't have a uh, I don't have a BLE dongle or anything associated with that. So essentially, this yeah. is converting BLE to IP for me. So it's basically connected to uh, Wi-Fi. And yep. it goes out, and so there's just one sitting around upstairs, and it just goes, and and every every one of those Xiaomi sensors registers to that. Well, not registers to it; it looks for, it scans the for the Xiaomi sensors. I have those MAC addresses in there, and and it just goes in and populates my uh, uh, plant sensors in Home Assistant. So Home Assistant has it uh, has it discovered, and uh, it just uses the native API there and brings it in. So. No yeah. MQTT, nothing. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I like it. 
Yeah, no, that's cool. I think also with the, this, like the ESP stuff, like I think I'd probably pick it up if I had like a, a use case yep. to hack on it. You know, it's uh, it's much easier to have a pro like learn that stuff when you have a problem. Yeah, you know what? They're, they're they're not they're not super expensive, right? Which is why I like them. I think they're like Canadian. They're like twelve, fifteen bucks or something like that, which is pretty equivalent to uh, Australian dollars, right? Yeah. So, um, mm. yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, no, I should I should check them out. I've also got this like old Kogan panel heater. It's a smart yeah. one. It's Tuya. Um, but it's kind of died. This like it still works as a heater, but it's um, the smarts inside it, which is like sure. some kind of ESP in it. Um, um, it's dead, and, and I've been meaning to pull it open and try and see if I can reset it and maybe flash it yeah. with something else, um, or even just replace it, like the that ESP controller inside of it, yeah, um, with something else. But I'm also kind of cautious about 240 volts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you'd, you'd be surprised how many people yeah. have done this stuff, though, right? Like, it's it's you're probably not the first. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I think as we come into winter, and I want to have that that heater like kind of working again and have it automated, I might I might have another look at it. My dad, my dad's good with all yeah, that, yeah, like power type stuff because it's his background. So I might be like, hey, <laughs> can you pull this apart and tell me <laughs> tell yeah. me if I can replace this thing, this one little piece without me you know, getting fried. Or burning down the apartment. <laughs> That's actually more the concern I know that I have. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's funny because I, I'm right there with you, right, Karen? It's, uh, I mean, we've had uh, Pete on the show before, uh, XBMC Nut, who's talked about his uh, setup for taking mm-hmm. the Breville uh, espresso machine and making that smart with a Shelly. And every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, I really want to do this. And uh, and I was talking to, uh, to to a colleague that works with me, and uh, you know, he was like, Yeah, I've got one of these too. I've seen the instructions. I'm going to do it. Blah, blah blah. And I'm just like, inevitably, it's like it's like a five hundred dollar like coffee machine, right? And and I know that's not that's not expensive for an espresso machine, but it's still mm. it's, it's it's expensive to me. <laughs> like it's not yeah. like you're going to return it yeah, and it, say, it, it Yeah, it doesn't work anymore. Can I get my money yeah. back? Right? Like they're going to get you opened it up and you stuffed it, mate. Like <laughs> no, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and even ethically, right? Like, like I, I wouldn't necessarily do that, right? But it's, it's if if I broke it, that's on me, right? But but yeah. at the same time, I think I'm I'm kind of like, oh man, this it's a very very expensive mm. toy to to potentially break, yeah. right? So, yep. Yeah, and and and, exa- and and that's with and if you if uh, for those listening, if you haven't looked at his instructions, Pete's instructions were actually beautiful. Like they it. it gives you like step by step by step okay now solder this here right and and that's that's where i start to scare myself <laughs> is, is with that that kind of yeah. stuff so i i, I completely <laughs> yeah. get it here and especially when and i mean i'm i'm just worried about my coffee machine you're worried about burning your house down which again right there with you <laughs> yeah yeah like even when i got yeah. that heater from uh from kogan right and it's all like re rebranded yep. You know, white labeled two year stuff. I was a bit like, do I trust two year to, to tell me yeah. that my heater is turned off yeah. when it probably isn't? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and the answer kind of is no, I don't. Like, I think the only two year stuff that I've got in this house are my balcony fairy lights, and that's only because I missed oh. the chance to flash them before they rolled that fix out to um to yeah. um to put the other firmware on them. But I think that's about as far. As I as I <laughs> trust them is some some balcony lighting. It's. Uh... Are you using the uh, local to your custom? Uh, I, was, I did look at it, but um, 
But yeah, I, I haven't I haven't done it. Um, it looked like a bit of work, yep. to be honest. Um, yeah, um, I think once you get the API keys and the tokens and stuff um, for your device, because I've got a couple of um, I have a Kogan oil diffuser that um, yep. I use to bring it to home assistant. Um, I think from Bunnings I got the Netgear like four way power board that can be individually controlled. Yep. So I've got that. Um, controlled by local to you um and i've got a kogan smart kettle which currently is not working but i have a nice. I created a node.js script to get around that um to yeah get that working so yeah like uh once you i think there's like instructions it's just like a command that if you've got a mac or a, access to a linux box it's pretty easy to um, get the api keys that you need from the devices then you can yeah just use the IP address and, and block them from the router and yeah, I, prevent needing to have it go out to the two user servers. I, um, I've got <laughs> the re- I bought the these two two year switches for the like the balcony lighting, yeah. but I bought them just after I'd flashed one, um, and I was like, mm-hmm. "This is great! I'm going to buy these other two. They're going to be on the balcony. Everything's going to be great." And then yeah, they were the later ones, and I was like, "Ah oh, man, I yeah. now have to use two year because I can't flash them. I was following yeah. the." The updating, you know, they have. It's unlock. I can't see the how they're going to find a way to flash the flash it onto the new devices. Personally, from what I read, but um, but yeah, I'm kind of stuck with them at the moment. And then, so maybe I maybe yeah. I do need to bite the bullet and look at the the local stuff. But yeah, it's like do you have to put a you have to use an add on as well though, right? That's the easiest way to install it. Is, is it uh, yeah, so there's a local like just in the hacks. There's yeah. a local to you component. Yeah. Um, so then you just put in the IP address. You find use the tool to get the um, the tokens yeah. um, for your device. Yeah. Um, it is a bit I th- from memory now. Thinking about it, it is a bit tricky that you do need to um, register a to your developer account um, and go through a whole bunch of stuff that way. But once you've done that, um, you then don't need to use the cloud at all. You could block them, yeah. Um, because once you've got, the, you just you essentially need the the two year developer account to get the access key, um, which you then plug into Home Assistant. Yeah, right. Yeah, through the local to your component. Yeah, the um, I think I need to have a look at it. <laughs> That's if they survive. The the two the two two year things are out of my balcony controlling the lights, right? And um, I've got outdoor power. Not in any weather-proof <laughs> box, I'm guessing. Well, I've got... <laughs> that's where I was going with this. I've um, <laughs> I've got them connected to some outdoor power points, um, but I still, on the balcony, I get a bit of, like, sideways spray right. from the rains. So, yeah. So, yep, yep. But I didn't want to wrap them in plastic or anything because you get, like, humidity inside them. And so mm. I covered... I've got them covered with... Um, some like uh, takeaway food plastic containers. Nice. They kind of just hang over the top of it, awesome. <laughs> and then I push yeah, some yeah. plants around them to um, to keep it in place so the wind doesn't blow it away. It's been super reliable. Like it just <laughs> it keeps the rain off them. Um, and I'm like, if there's a fire, it yeah. will be outside. <laughs> it's kind of how. Yeah, it's not going to burn much. Yeah. Down, so, yeah. Um, but like we've had crazy rain over the last couple of months, and. It kept them all dry and, and everything for the meantime being, but, um, you know. I think Bunnings sell, like, an outdoor box that you can put your electrical stuff in, right? So, as long as you can get an extension yeah. cord into that box and then put your Like, like an IP rated, and- like yeah. a 67 or 68 rated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, I was looking at those. Um, they were sold out because uh, I was looking at it for the irrigation system um, that I was building. Mm. And then, you know, I uh, I was just like, ah, this will do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they work, they work fine yeah. now. But I, I am waiting for one day after heavy rain. <laughs> what The fairy lights on one of them That's isn't going to come on. That's funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Kieran, thank you so much for taking the time, staying up late uh, to talk to us. With yeah, it's been awesome having a chat. How using Home Assistant? Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I know uh, I've probably jumped a bit all over the place that's from okay. my, my setup yeah. and experiences. Oh, that's but, what we love uh, to hear. But uh, it was great to uh, to to talk to you guys, and good to uh, put some faces to the uh, to the voices <laughs> that I hear. Of course, on there you go. <laughs> that's it. Awesome. Thanks so much. Cheers. All right. Take care. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Bye. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.